pals. We are in the room. Good uh, afternoon, pals. No way, pals. Here we are. Welcome to the podcast, Throw in the Power, the podcast where we talk about movies. Or do we? I'm Tom. No, we we do. On occasion. I'm Tom. I'm Frank. I was just trying to get the names in there and I feel like I threw off the rhythm. Marcus. I'm Chris. And we, we rate these films out of 11. Um, well, um, why is that, Tom? Uh, because 11 is the number of times that either the characters in this movie say nope or you fill them in for them as it goes, I feel like. right? Nope gets said 11 times watching this film. Would I feel like agree? it's more like 111. I don't think they say <laughs> the word nope that much, but you get like, no, 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 no. There's lots of moments Wait, that are early. No. So, Frank, was this a horror to you? Yes. Okay. Was it scary? Can I? Can Did I? Did you? I I pee pee my pants. <laughs> Let's go ahead and make a soundbite for that right now. What does Frank do when the horror movie starts to come on? He pee pee his pants. Pee pee his pants. <laughs> Let's not make a soundbite. Go for ahead and <laughs> should we put that together for us, please, Frank? <laughs> please and thank you. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. Well. Shit. Um, Hands up who liked this film. Well, we should – are we any more context? It's just, nope, Jordan Peele, 2022. We'll talk about it. Let's score this thing. You just gave the context we need. Okay. It's good. a horror film. Yeah. You ready? Who likes it? Hands up. Oh, dear. Amazing. Two hands are up. Good. It's this not nice. mine, listener, and it's not Chris's. Good. That's so, fun. So Tom and Marcus like. Do you want to go first, Tom, or – no, you go. Are we never going to get a chance to speak once you start? <laughs> you go. <Because> no. <laughs> Let Thomas have his day. Come on. Uh, you go. <laughs> Uh, I give this film an eight. Mm. Out of 11. Out of 11. Why is it 11 again? I forget. We Because people say nope. That <laughs> All right. And so, Tom, <laughs> I thought we covered this. <laughs> I'm I sure. wasn't listening. It's my, my main trait. <laughs> oh, no. Is that me or is that? Anyway. I w- I'll go. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm at like an 8.3. Oh. Why do you have to be like this? I wasn't no, the first one to do it, and I'm, now it's like I refuse to drop it. I'm glad. I'm glad it's different because if you both said eight, I'd be like, "Well, I don't care." That's what I would say. Okay, well, but because it's different, I kind of you're care. You're pissed, stain say otherwise. <laughs> That's why I put on. I'm wearing dark shorts. <laughs> My piss stain. I mean, I wear a no plural. I didn't say stain. It wasn't the one, Chris. <laughs> Uh, in the words of Andy Samberg playing Jake Peralta in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yep. Uh, you're boring. Whoa. Oh, you're boring. Oh, so this is, that is Chris's best new thing, right? This in, is the words in the words, of, in the words of. of. I like this. I like Ooh, this a lot. Yeah. 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 The catchphrase is new, but the, the, the scores being low is classic it's Chris. <laughs> it's very iconic nice. Chris. I'm, vintage. I'm looking forward to it getting really abstract. It's yeah. like, <laughs> far better than the butler's pantry. Yes. Well, mine, I know I said I pee my pants. I, I pee pee my pants, but this is far. It's right down the middle of 5.5, as they say. Oh. So I'll give it this one. I reckon because, we can win him, Tom. I reckon we can win him over. Try it. Oh, we can do it. It's definitely going to get lower from can here. Can we win it? The more I think about can it. Can we do it, Tom? Yeah, oh I my. guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Put me down. That's the spirit. <laughs> Marcus is so strong, he's just throwing Tom I'm around. shaking him like the dog out of Men in Black. <laughs> <laughs> Who's called Frank? He owes Great. me money. His name is Frank. <laughs> yeah. I sent you a photo of Spanky Ham today because I called you Frankie Ham. 
I just thought I'd throw that in for anyone who remembers Drawn Together, that shortly lived Spanky TV show oh, from I Drawn do. Together. Yeah. And very it's a photo of a cartoon pig doing mm, a very frank face. I'm I will not going say. to quote that show because we would get taken off the air. Yeah, as that show did <laughs> off immediately. The Hold on. <laughs> off the air. Off the air. It's the podcast got. that we pay to. We're live, have right? On the- oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, You're on Kiss. So okay, 5.5 for you and a, t- a hard two for Chris. Yeah, two. I, I did everything I could to make this film work. I turned all the lights off. Yes. I had a big cinematic experience at home and I was bored out of my brain. I agree with you for the first half an hour. I was like, jeepers creepers, this is a slow movie. Different movie, Frank. That's also a scary <laughs> one though. I hate spiders, don't you dare. No. Nope. Um, but Daniel Kaluuya? <laughs> what it's not think? spiders. What do you think jeepers creepers is about? <laughs> Isn't it a sequel to Arachnophobia? Jeepers, creepers, ma, we got spiders. <laughs> I am I wrong? My How wrong am I? Well, because we're being dicks, I would, yes, you're wrong. Jeepers, <laughs> creepers is about like the boogeyman essentially. Like there's nothing to do with, isn't that right? Isn't it's, it a scarecrow? Yeah. As a, okay, as a so no one, no one knows. We're not, we're not <laughs> the two horror, horror film aficionados. I'm sure it's a it is funny that I just shout at him for it and I'm like, I don't know what it's about. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Listener, if you could tweet us what um, Jeepers Creepers is about, <laughs> where'd you get those peepers and uh, let us know. But I thought in the first half an hour of this movie, Daniel Kaluuya did nothing except mumble and nothing happened mm. and one coin fell from the sky and killed his dad and I was like, well, Good. I can't wait to talk about this. No, sorry, that was a bit hard. Well, but good. Sorry. No. <laughs> I need a retraction. I apologise to Keith David. Keith David getting a coin through his skull. And not Ooh. even, not even. that's not the end of it. No. Then it drags it out. Then the poor guy just dies over time. Yeah. After. they Yeah, they get him in the car. They take him to the husband. He's like, hey, it's dad, you're, you're pop, you're good. And he's like. To watch. Yeah. If I have. There's probably a handful of things that really get me viscerally in movies, but two that come to mind right now are people getting their throat slit. I've always, always, like, I'll watch it and I just immediately, like, tense up and put my hand in front of my throat. I Do you hate want to it. It was a fun acting game. Yeah. Sorry to digress. I Is doubt it. To but play, go on. How would you play getting your throat cut? <laughs> would you do that? Is that what you would do? Okay, so I do that at parties. parties. Listener. I do that at parties, and um, no one seems to enjoy it. It was awful for us. It was so <laughs> visual. <laughs> you know, for those at home, just yeah, yeah. the sign for yeah, that, that was pretty shit. I think I'm going to cut that. No, and it's no. like the bit you just did. <laughs> yeah, just, know, I'm just throwing ideas uh, out there. Jump of the hut from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See. And now who's going to go next? Who's going to Ricky play Ricky Gervais getting salt poured on him in the extras movie when he's in a Doctor Who episode and he's like, oh! <laughs> he's like melting and dissolving because he's, he's a slug. That's great. <laughs> I started by saying throat slitting is very upsetting to me. So, um, when it's he your gets, fault. Yes, my bad. I'll, figure it, some, I'll cut that. I'll when figure someone it out. ends up with getting kicked by a horse, getting some sort of like brain trauma, damage, anything like this and especially – you know, just an X-ray that we see. First we see his eyes gone, basically, or mm. the, the trauma done to him, and then the X-ray of the coin in his head. I cannot handle that shit. It really fucks with me. Beyond, like, And I have a, a very irrational fear. A friend of mine years ago asked me, do you have any irrational fears? And I said, something falling out of the sky and hitting me in the head. Mm. And she's like, whoa. And I was like, I don't know where that came from, but that was immediately Jordan what I Jordan Peele so heard you. Yes. And did this. there are parts of this movie that I don't have the right wavelength to find as creepy as I wish I did, but that sequence creeps me out. Things seems, just popping all around It didn't look realistic, him. I think. I, I think Dennis Hopper's eye in Waterworld 
was, was done much better. <laughs> much better. And also the, the performance. It, it does it. look like shit. <laughs> um, you really, genuinely, you didn't you didn't. No, I'm Okay, no, no, I was just bit. checking. Because the Marcus way- is bits! The way it is played, just that like little pock marks of little- mm. And just like it seems so uh, ineffectual, um, it's yeah. like it's not actually going to do you any damage. And then once you like, see what happens to like him, and you see the the, the uh, key. key in the back of the horse cuts to nope. I was like, that's an incredible opening. Cuts to mm. nope. I think that's the a title. I will say that if you guys found this whole movie boring, I act, I get that for huge stretches of it. If you're not on its wavelength, I do fully understand it. But I I find that opening very compelling. I think it's a that, great opening. That scene is all right. And then the next half hour is dull. Okay. Do you think when Kiki Palmer shows up, it gets? Do we? Are we no. doing? Are we doing a synopsis? Let's do a synopsis. Yeah, Let's yeah. do a synopsis. Oh, you want me to do it? Let's go a synopsis, Frank. Hit this it. is the synopsis. The residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. That's it. You did a really good job reading that the first time all the way through. <laughs> well I'm good at uh, wet reads, as they say. <laughs> Ew. That's so gross. Tickle my pickle. <laughs> Uh, yes, that is a very uh, oblique, very lonely sort of like, gulch yes, in inland California. A very vague way of, of registering it, but I can I can kind of my synopsis. This, this was my second watch. Mine second? too. Mine yeah, too. and the first time I wasn't as engaged. I I agree with that. And the I, first time you went, so the second you enjoyed it more than the second. Hundred percent. I did as well. Why is that, Marcus? Uh for me, I think knowing. The trajectory, I think, knowing where it was going. I don't know if you two have only, as in Frank and Chris, I don't know if this was your first or second watch. Uh, first time. First time. And last time. Oh, okay, interesting. For the people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think knowing the trajectory and then looking out for a lot more and seeing how it sort of unfolds was yeah. a lot more interesting to me this time. And I was looking. I find this of late, I don't know if this is just me getting older or what, but I'm enjoying a lot more films, in fact, the more I'm watching them. Too many times and then obviously it wears you out. But like... I'm getting a lot more out of second and third watches of films and it's because I'm not focusing on the main story arc. I'm just watching other things and I'm I'm taking it all in. No, it's because you're getting older and the first time you watch it you're a bit slow. And I'm just falling asleep. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. I'm not even going to deny that. I found this very interesting and I, I disagree with you wholeheartedly about uh, Daniel uh, Kaluuya. Kaluuya? Kaluuya. Thank you. Um, I think he's a great take on a new age hero. He's very stoic. He's very quietly confident. And there's something so um, powerful about him as your main protagonist. Yeah, sure. But not for the first half hour. No, I, I disagree. I think Marcus is no. Really you, you're there. wrong. Oh, my bad. Sorry, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, so let's just continue. <laughs> <laughs> what is this opinion? Now, <laughs> yeah. um, I think he still waters run deep. You know, he's a really, really reserved force, and you can feel. I although I will agree. The first time I watched it, I did just kind of go, eh, "Yeah, Daniel Kaluuya was a little whatever in that." And, he was, and whether it was intentional or not, the first time I watched it, I didn't. It didn't register too. with me. And me this time, I, I loved his performance. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, I liked his performance, and I think he's a wonderful actor, of course. Yeah. But the first half hour, where he's where he's on set with his horse, and Lucky. everyone sort of, oh, I hope he is. Let's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's on set with a horse, and everyone's sort of bossing him around, and he's so. Quiet, and he's waiting for Kiki Palmer to get there. His sister to explain mm. things and handle it, mm. and he's he's not strong, 
He's not. He's not quietly reassured. He's not standing there being like, "I know what you're doing, and you're all dumb." I see what he's you're saying. Very unsure. He's socially. Uh, th- there's been a conversation about this movie that you know, getting too far into it would be whatever. But there has been a conversation. The whole that- point of why we're here. <laughs> but, but, no, no, no. I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> um, there's some discussion that's gone around that a lot of movies and TV shows since neuroatypicality, whether it's people on spectrum, people with Asperger's, people with actually, which isn't a very good diagnosis anymore. But anyway, when that became a bit of a hot topic thing, putting them in movies and TV shows to just gain points and be like, look, we have someone who's neurodivergent or someone who's not. Do you mean like uh, Shia LaBeouf's movie, Peanut Butter Falcon, where he is? Sure, where he's got a a young man in it with Down syndrome, but I'm thinking more even sort of like people- Actors playing. Yeah, and people really enjoying, as a for instance, like when it comes to the sitcom world, people really liked Abed in Community because they're like- Yes, they kind of play on the fact that he's probably autistic or at least he's, you know, on the spectrum mm-hmm. to a degree that he finds interactions difficult, but it's a very sitcom world. And then a lot of other sitcoms and a lot of movies kind of went, well, what if we have characters like that and we really play that up? And I think Daniel Kaluuya, as the internet's kind of taken hold of, is playing one of the least heralded and uh, sort of signposted characters on the spectrum that I've seen in movies in a long time. I don't think he gets social interaction. You remember when oh. he's holding the horse and the guy comes up and goes, all right, we need you to flip it now. He's like, you said to hold. Yep, and now I'm saying to flip it. Like he needs direct instruction to understand what's going to go on in situations. Okay, well, I had not. He needs his sister That's to interesting. sort of translate and engage with the outside world. And I think the way he plays that in a very subtextual way is quite interesting. That's not quite how I saw it. Sure. I don't disagree with you. I thought this was for the first time around. I didn't think that you need this in a film. I don't think that someone needs to have a thing or I don't think they, need they to. have to be on the spectrum. Or- and it's just a read that people have. It could Jordan Peele could come out and be like, no, he's not at all. Yeah. But a lot of people have but found I just, that. I just figured he didn't like the people on, on set. Oh, 100%. That's what I but figured. This, that's that all. stoicness that I'm going back to. Like if you know any any farmers, um, old school farmers, just people who are raised on a farm and, and don't have that social interaction. We're all from Tassie. Is- we all know so a lot we- of farmers. <laughs> I don't believe you have. <laughs> I, some of my best friends growing up are dairy farmers and my grandparents are dairy Old farmers. Old McDonald doesn't count. But he had a farm. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, 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 yo. <laughs> That's how um, it goes, right? Yeah, I, just, I just think that he doesn't care for people. I think that he, he lives and breathes his work and his passion and his, his life and mm-hmm. livelihood um, and that's why it's such a, He's such a great character in this because he's the only one that understands, and we're going to get to this, <laughs> what they're facing. Yeah, he gets Jean Jacket in a way that no one else quite does, Yeah, especially so, Steve Ewan's character. I don't for, think in an autistic listener, way. Jean Jacket is the uh, creature who lives in the sky who we think is a UFO to begin with and then turns out it. to be a living organism. Yeah, and there's a whole thing on that. We could talk about that for hours. Could but. we? Because I'm so curious. Why, not that why is it a living organism, but why does it turn into that giant sail at the end? Because, can I, wait, do you want this no, one? No, you go. As most. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Spoiler, sorry, alert. spoiler alert. The creature. <laughs> do we ever at some not point, spoil no, the No, I know. <laughs> uh, at some point in the film, this animal, uh, this creature, which turns out is not, just a UFO, it's an alien creature in the sky. It's a predator of the sky and um, it's damaged. It's hurt. Is it? Absolutely. It's been – so it's at this point it's ingested uh, the barbed wire fence along with a whole oh. bunch of other stuff and it's just tearing up its its internals and uh, it's not having a good time. 
as any when creature that- in a defensive stance, what they do is make themselves bigger, like a gecko, for example. You know how the frills go yeah. like that? The frilled neck gecko. Yeah, yeah. I do. So you did he's grow up smirking. on a farm. I this can is, tell. This is what Frank does. <laughs> no, no, no. He starts to concede that he's, he's like, I'm, I'm wrong, but I'm, now I'm going to make I'm, fun I'm, of the I'm situation. Interested, I'm interested in your point. I just don't know if it's a frilled neck gecko. It's but not, continue. but it's making itself larger and more threatening because it knows I do the same thing whenever you walk the into the room. <laughs> okay. Well, try better. <laughs> <laughs> Puffs up. <laughs> a little puffer fish. A little puffer. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that's Frank a just good, passed that's a out, but he yeah, looks yeah. so intimidating right before he it's, did. It's uh, and I think that um, OJ, uh, being Daniel Kaluuya, uh, his character, it he's the only one that this creature's genuinely threatened by. I think that because he's understood the mechanics and he understands how to, similar to how you would break in a horse and respect the creature and not look it in the eye. He works yeah. it all out. Um, this creature's going into full um, survival mode at this point. Am okay. I right, Tom? No, I, th- I think I think you're spot on, and I think there's a lot of conversations that Jordan Peele had with um, his uh, art design crew and different sort of zoologists to work out what would be. I think he based it sort of on a stingray and also like a lot of aquatic lionfish? creatures, lionfish, sure, or- lionfish, or like different creatures that do have. It's like evocative of, like you say, a defense mechanism. I didn't love it. I didn't no, think it was good. I didn't. My problem either. with my problem with the yeah. expansion. So, for the listener, I don't know if you know. The creature starts out looking like a disc UFO with a hole in the middle where it sucks up. Almost you know, like a cowboy hat. Classic, in a yeah, Here's right? what yeah. we should say because it really is a good motif in the movie. It's an eyeball, right? And we'll kind oh, of get into looking why at that you. is. It's spectacle, right? That's the whole movie. But we'll get yeah. into that a little yes. bit more. Yeah. Yeah. But then in the third act they're, they're um, trying to kill the, the creature essentially mm-hmm. and you, you don't see it transform. It is essentially off camera. You see it. Behind a shot of Danny Kaluuya, it expands and gets all fanny. Mm. But then it then it, the camera comes back and you see a shot of the creature looking like a full pirate ship. Sure, you don't see it unfold. And I just I just wish there was that moment. That's all I wish because I I was so confused and I went why does why does it look like that now? Mm. You don't see it happen. You don't see a reason why it transforms. You think the logistics of it felt a little sort yeah, of unearned. Yeah, that's, that's it. Coming that way. Yeah, cool. because everything about it before was like this efficient disc-shaped shoom, shoom. It's flying around. It's all over the mountains. It's sucking people up. It's great. It works. So why does it transform at that moment? Because what has caused it to tra- – like it's already been through sucking up um, things that it doesn't want to digest. It's already yeah. been through all that so it could have transformed at that point. Why does it then transform in the last act? There's the answer Marcus gave about the like you know displays of aggression when threatened, and then there's the cinematic answer, which is because it's bigger and it's like and it's a final form, much like uh, Freezer in Dragon yeah. Ball Z. <laughs> I, underst- I understand it. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> something just happened inside <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, I said you that. hurt yourself with that a little Ooh. bit. <laughs> Nerd. Perfect sell. Yeah, I think I just got a wedgie spontaneously. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, um, Chris. I really want to know if if you've got any specific things, whether it's about Jean Jacket the creature, about the characters, about the tone. What what's up? Like, what did you hate about this? Well, for starters, it's acting like a creature from Earth. And you like think that's and the fact that. Daniel Kaluuya gets to play on it in that way is a little bit of a cheat, right? That he gets to kind of go, 
I know how these work because I engage with creatures all the time and I have respect for them. Well, he engages with horses. He doesn't engage with predators or anything other than horses. And then all of a sudden I am the world's leading expert on this disc that's sucking people up. One of my biggest issues with the movie is how it plays the contrast between him and Steve Ewan's character, whose name is Lil Lil Jupe. Mm. And he's one of the most successful parts of the movie for me is Steve Ewan's character. I really want to get into him in a little bit. But I agree with you that Daniel Kaluuya um, goes, OJ goes, he didn't understand, you know, he didn't have respect for them. But I understand and I know what to do. And it's like, sounds like the same problem, man. Like, sounds like <laughs> hubris and it's going to get you fucked because even if you're going to add an extra layer to it and it, it runs a lot deeper with the the metaphorical and the subtextual elements of the movie, all about Hollywood, all about black erasure, all about spectacle and there's so much in there that we can get into. But on just a functional level, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, that he's like, well, I know this about horses and I'm going to apply it to this. It's it, a little too convenient. It's a little too... It's like he got lucky. Hey. hey. Yeah, <laughs> but in terms of, I mean, strangely he goes, I'm going to try not looking at it. And then it, the creature ignores him and he goes, ah, oh, I've figured it out. It's like a horse. It's like, why would, why would it be like a horse? And also on that fact, and I know you'll probably have an answer for this, Tom, but why is the monkey... On the set, Little Jupe's an actor, actor, and as a kid, he's on a sitcom, right? And the monkey, whose Gordy's name is house. Gordy, yeah, yeah it's so Gordy's, Gordy's the monkey. Something yeah. he loses his shit and kills two cats. Like he doesn't he goes kill the page. girl because she ends up disfigured. Yeah, and the she girl's there, shows but, up he, later, but she, he maybe can, kills two people. Yes, mm. almost kills um, Stephen Nguyen's character. Mm. What's not, that doing not why is that there, but I wish it tied in more because you've got to understand. You, I assume it's about you can't tame a predator. Like a predator, this chimp is going to be aggressive at some point. Something's going to happen and it's going to go wrong. Tom's mentioned it a few times now. It's about the spectacle as well. So it does draw comparison there. Yeah, yeah, it does. But I I feel like the misuse and capitalising on the use of animals in Hollywood features and But do you not feel like entertainment industry? That's not... That's not specified in the movie. Not really, that's but it's, the, it's, it's just the, that one moment with the tablecloth blocking the vision. That's all you're really looking at that scene for, I think, personally. That's what I took from it, mm. was Stephen Yoon was spared because he was under the table and didn't no. give Gordy direct eye contact. It's a and that was it. fucking fantastic bit of visual storytelling that you don't – he never works out that's what happened. Of he course. thinks – I've got something special here. And if you That's see, it. there's so much going into his character that worked really well for me the second time watching it. Um, but Jupe, when he's just about to give the presentation at the end and you hear him whisper, you're chosen, you're chosen. Like he believes that he has some divine right to mm. deal with animals and predators. Mm. You you the, mean the spectacle where he, because right Jupe it. runs a... Uh, like, a rodeo park, like a rodeo sort of theme park, like, yes. Where he's going to show the audience the alien, which sucks ex- up a horse, which he's exploiting yes. yet another creature for his own I success. Yes, yep. I understand how to engage with this creature. I'm the one who who gets it. I'm sort of the arbiter between all the, like the conduit between our world and its world mm. because I survived what I survived. But can I? Can I? I don't think the film explains that. I think you have to have a podcast with your friends and they explain that to you because I go, oh, that's so true. He didn't have direct eye contact, therefore that's why. The- See, I got this on the second watch. Yeah, yeah. And that's Jordan Peele's movies, which is but not to say. Is that a problem? Not, a, not saying a problem. Like, um, I think it's, it's not, maybe not a contextually layered. That's great. <laughs> but it's like 
wouldn't you want your audience to get it on the first time? Yeah. My issue with this movie. Maybe I'm too dumb. Definitely. I don't think that's. Because I, I didn't get it the first time. I don't think that's the issue this time because <laughs> I think. <laughs> See, that, that wasn't what I took away from, from the scene with the monkey. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because mm. I was counting the, the balloons popping. Yes. Every oh. time it popped, he flipped. Every time it popped again, he went back to normal. Yeah, it's like an on-off switch. Yeah, oh, yeah. and so it, one popped, and then the monkey was off, and it fist bumped him under the table. Also, like he knows he's there. Yeah, it's, eye contact has fuck all to do with it. The eye contact was already made. It, like, I don't think direct eye contact is enough of a thing. But why was the shoe standing up? That's one of the because it's most, like I oh, wrote a note about that. It's supernatural. It's one of the most Jordan Peele moments in the movie, which is him going like, I don't know, what do you think? And you're like, well, fuck you. But also, yeah. that's kind of interesting. <laughs> bit, shoe, doesn't, fuck you. shoe doesn't stand up. She doesn't stand up. It's. I think. I mean, you're a meant coin to be, can't or shouldn't either, but can. You're being. You're trying to put together. He knows how people come to watch his movies in a very short amount of time. Maybe we'll get into the pantry about this in a sec. But in a very short directorial career, he's established already a very set tone for his films and a way that they're expected and interpreted. And mm. he knows people are going to come to this movie and go, "What does that mean? Can I piece this together? Can I work it out?" And he knows if he puts a shoe standing up in the sly, first shot, they're going to be like, "What's up with the shoe?" And he's like, "Fucking nothing." Like, <laughs> the shoe doesn't mean anything. And I know that there's a way in which that's a cheat. And the first time watching it, I did feel cheated by it because I was like, "What was that?" And the second time, I went, "I kind of like it as a flavor. I like it as a weird bit of garnish to this strange movie." Chris, so you, Chris. you got something on this? There is the line. I it, I, I believe. Fallout Boy stole this line from this film. Is there a word for bad miracle? The the um, main character I've forgotten his name. Yeah, um, OJ. He he said he asks his sister that after their father dies, and that's also what the shoe is. It's a bad miracle. That's so true. Somehow in this mm. carnage, this shoe has just ended up. Perfectly yeah. on its end. What is a bad miracle? You got a word for that? Because yeah. in a, in a frat house, everyone would have gone off their fucking their head if they saw that shoe. Sean flipped that shoe and it landed on its on its edge. And everyone <laughs> would have gone, no, <laughs> you got to do a shot, bro. <laughs> it's true. It's a bad miracle. I think no, that's, that's a really nice. really good point. It ties in that that way. But you know, I think that he he uses that setup with Lil Jupe really well to explore that side of the story. My biggest issue with this movie is that Jordan Peele has way too much on his mind going into it. And I prefer that to someone with nothing on their mind. I definitely prefer someone who has too many ideas. What do you mean, like pick a lane? Yeah, it's like 10 pounds of crap in a five pound bag. The- like it's just, it's sticking out a little bit awkwardly, but I'm like, eh, pretty impressive okay, that you got it in Okay, there. out of, because there's the trilogy, Get Out, Us and No. Yes, well, shall we just really quickly, I'm just going to have a look around. I think I actually, it's actually in the roof this time, maybe, if I'm just going to pull it down. Give me one sec. The butler in a pantry with a mic. What the? What? The butler's pantry. Because there's a gap in the middle. Okay. Practically, you would never have a pantry in the ceiling. That's a good point. I'll put it back. (laughs) 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 Um, It just wouldn't work. Jordan Peele, as probably a lot of people know, started out, he did Mad TV, and then him and Keegan-Michael Key had a sketch show called Key and Peele. Hilarious man. Great sketch show and one of the funniest things about it, and obviously he's like a good voice actor, he's in like Big Mouth and, you know, a lot of different things. But one of the most remarkable things about the show was people, they would do bits where they would riff on like Miami Vice or they would riff on like serial killer movies and they would just nail the aesthetic and the tone. And people were like, who's doing that? And Keegan was like, it's Jordan. Jordan's like obsessed with movies. He's incredible at getting that tone exactly right. So it wasn't that much of a shock. 
that he came out and started making pitch perfect horror movies. You say that. Yeah. But everyone goes, oh my God, this sketch comedian's making dark horror movies. Yes. That's it, how they say it. It was a bit of in, it was a bit <laughs> <laughs> just like that. It was a bit of like inside a baseball. People being like, what? He's just if a funny you, guy. If you, here we if go. You know baseball him. expert. Yeah. Sorry. Funny guys can't be scary. He and Tom can't play baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Biblical correspondent on the left and a baseball expert on the right. Really loving this room. He made a house run. Uh, <laughs> and he really he hit it for seven. I don't know. What else happened? Oh, wait, no, wait, Chris, we've got all bases covered. We do. Yeah. Now. Good. Yeah, Keep going. Very nice. All right. <laughs> boom, ba dum ba dum boom, boom, boom. It's a bass solo. He has a, such a unique um, directorial take on um, pre-existing tropes in cinema and film because he takes the, the horror genre, the thriller, the sci-fi, and he just gives it that beautiful little twist, just adds yeah. his own little, you know, something or other to it. A it's guy great. who clearly grew up on X-Files and he mm. was part of the X-Files reboot they did recently, mm-hmm. a guy who, you know, consumed and, and just absorbed so much John Carpenter probably back in the day and a lot of like these sorts of movies. He He's a really interesting guy. I think Get Out's pretty close to a perfect film. I love Get Out, which came out in 2017, won Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars. Kaluuya's in that, gets nominated for Best That's Actor. That's the one he got cast on the spot. Have you heard about this? I haven't. So Kaluuya went into audition as a relatively unknown English actor, auditioned for Jordan Peele, and um, did the scene where, you know, the I mean, it's iconic now, but the scene in Get Out where the tear rolls down. With the mm. sunken place? I don't mm. know. I've not seen yes. the film. Yes. Okay. It's too scary yes. for me. But <laughs> Daniel Kaluuya does the audition. He does it four times in the room. The tear rolls at the exact same moment every time. And Jordan goes, you've got the part. Like not even like, oh, I talk to you, Asia. like you've got the part. And obviously Daniel Kaluuya was like, well, give me a contract later, but sure, thanks, nice to meet you. Uh, but yeah, Gets that was it. He, like he nailed okay, it. That's a cocky he, way to walk out of the room. Exactly. No, no, no. He obviously didn't. I'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even need this. Let me know Fuck. what the offer is first. How oh, much? It's all a bit quick, isn't it? That's it. Imagine he sat down and he's not opened his mouth, and at the end, Jordan's like, "You've got the part." Oh, thanks, Gav. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> oh, oh no. Okay. <laughs> One thing. <laughs> I can you do an American accent? Yeah, I could do an American accent. I'm doing it right now. He's very, he's very good. When do I start? (laughs) He's very good doing the American accent in uh, Get Out and in this. This is a bad, this is bad. It's It's a bad vocal performance. It's not as good. I think there are moments where it lapses a little. I heard out of, out of, let's say 150 lines, I heard six. He mumbles oh, you think beyond you comprehension. Hear Interesting. Beyond okay. comprehension. More than like, hey, I'm like nonchalant. And I just, I don't think I agree with that. Okay. Yeah, I, I got Tell, them, but it, I, I watch it with subtitles. Yeah, you got I the subtitles do. on. Like I honestly couldn't understand half of what he said. I had to yeah, rely you've, on you've, context. I'm just, I don't believe you've been on a farm. <laughs> <laughs> it's the farm. <laughs> then like the majority, of, the majority of old, old farmers that I know are not well spoken and they do mumble and it's it's very uh, it's low an octave and it just sort of it just resonates and yeah, that, yeah, that works right that works yeah. low in octave mm. it's an octave low <laughs> it like relatively makes sense <laughs> yeah. no but i just disagree you I know just, what i mean i feel like you know how some actors you go oh wow they're just doing nothing and it's so how do you say it? Like they do nothing and it's great i think he's, he's done, so he's done less is more really well he's doing he's i just wish he did a little more Honestly, okay. I just, especially the first half hour to an hour where it's like it's ramping up because it gets it gets to a point where it's like fantastic and he lands for me. But the first half hour specifically and then 
from there. Sure. If I, he, I can't understand him. It's because and he's, he's so doing, calm and no, no. centred. I think that it works. I think that he, you need his calm. Because his sister's- Have you ever played calm that is this? I don't know. I mean, that's what I heard. It's. In, I think it's interesting. I think it's very intentional. Yeah, because you're leaning. You're leaning in to go. What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> God. Do you lean into the television when you can't understand what someone's saying? Yes, it works. I don't have a volume button, so in, I just have to. Just, the, the closer I get, the louder it is. <laughs> I, see, I can't Lumo, see. Lumo I can't says, see anything. Turn it up, and you push the couch closer. <laughs> That's why I have great shoulders. Okay. See, with, with that film, with the the scene Cocky. when he's on the film set, I took that as, well, this has never been part of his job. Exactly. And that's why the guy, the director doesn't want to deal with him. He's like, oh, yeah. what happened to his dad? You know, he, yeah. I could get along with him. And obviously they say that. Keith David's a very charismatic man and Daniel Kaluuya can be. Well, we don't know that. We've not seen that. Uh, Just we did. In the film, we've not seen that. I he didn't keep his eye on the prize though, did he? Really? Oh, my really God. Didn't. If the prize is a nickel, <laughs> no, I think it was a quarter. Gosh. No. I mean, she's, uh, I think her, the sister was, the only thing she could bring to the family was the showmanship. Like, but she wasn't allowed to um, break in the horses or she didn't, she was never included. Yeah, yes. she's not, she's so not she's like brought, a trainer. She's not like, she doesn't have no. any skills, but she's the the front. Hence yeah. the, um, the side hustle she has. And she's very much like, she's on display and knows that. It's a slight identity crisis, I think, as well. Like she's she's really struggled with her upbringing, I believe, is how I read into it. Anyway. She certainly didn't have as much to do with the dad, and like you know, OJ, you know, Otis Junior has ended up much more soft spoken and sort of reserved. But I mean, I I'm glad well, we got into Kiki Palmer just to say I, I say, think she's fabulous. At she, this. Did, like, she didn't she didn't grow up on a farm. That's what we can say. That's what you're saying. Yeah, well, you could, you you relate to her in that sense. But she she also <laughs> that's why I didn't get it. <laughs> she also grew up watching a lot of films, right? Wasn't she a bit of a film buff? Yeah, we well, all, she we knows about the cinematic history of yeah, yeah, yeah. her family. No, so but that's just, that's just the quote of what their dad used to say when he was like, "You know, the first film." Uh, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do voices. <laughs> no, just yeah, do the Frank voice. You no, know, nope. the, the first the first man in motion pictures. <laughs> you can name the director. Should we do can Christopher Walken? Can I do Christopher Walken? <laughs> but yeah, that's well. Let's let's get into like. Uh, we haven't talked about the creature the, a lot yet, like yeah, a little bit, but not really. I mean, we can kind of get into The that. movie's not so much about the creature, it's more about the here's racial what, issues. Here's what the movie, yes, is definitely aiming for, which is it's talking about black erasure in Hollywood. You know, the the two uh, brother and sister, Kiki Palmer and OJ, her name is? Emerald. Emerald, M, that's it, M and OJ. Uh, that's why they're dressing green and orange. Hey. Wow. How about that? I love the white, nice. the white like lady that. on set meeting him and going, your name's OJ? And she's terrified. <laughs> she's so scared. <laughs> so funny. I um, just wish she was putting on a glove at that point. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, mm-hmm. Part of me wanted to yeah. see the horse kick her across that stage. Yeah. Is I, that a bronco? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, but, you know, that it is. That was a good bit. That's a good bit. Yeah. There is, it is definitely a wow. movie that, uh, you know, and Jordan Peele with Get Out and Us, which we didn't talk about before, they're very black-centred movies. They're very much movies about the black experience in America, filtered through horror, thriller, sci-fi, right? And this is one about, as the way they talk about it, you guys don't even know this, but the first black man ever on motion picture or in motion picture history or motion picture history was a black man on a horse, right? Mm-hmm. They talk about the fact that they want to get this shot of Jean Jacket because once everyone else finds out about it, it's theirs then and it becomes their commodity and we never get anything. Look at us struggling to make ends meet on this farm and all the things we try to put into this industry and it gives us nothing back. So is that OJ's motivation? Because that was the only thing I wasn't very clear on. I think he wants to keep the ranch because that's what 
his dad wanted to do right before ah. he died. He's like, we don't have to, once we do this job, we don't have to sell any more horses. I understood he hates her motivation. That. She well, hers is a bit wishy washy. But well, Isn't I mean, she wants to. Well, she wants to. Once they know about Jean Jacket, yeah, she wants to get rich and famous. And yeah. it's kind of that thing of spectacle being that two headed beast sure. that will bite its own balls off. You mm. know? Thomas, you've mentioned like forty times that spectacle is what this film's about. So can yeah. you just the, the quote, let us in? The let quote in. that the movie opens with is, "I will throw filth at you, and I will make you a beast. I will make you a spectacle." Like yeah. it's something like that. I'm yeah. paraphrasing, but it's a yeah. biblical thing. Maybe the Book of Nahum or something. The no, Book of Nahum Re- does not exist to me. It's Revelation, no, 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 no. isn't it? It's, it's Old Testament. No, but it's not in the it's not in the uh, version of Bible that I grew up sure. with. Sure, so. it's a very yes. But yours was only three page brochure, from what I understand. Frank's Old which was, Testament, yeah. OG. Yeah, because I can't read. <laughs> so my Bible had lots of yours pictures. Yours was mostly pictures. Mostly yeah. pictures of bread and fish. Somewhere at the back said, "Stay away from farms," and you just stuck to that your whole life. We appreciate <laughs> mm. it. Um, yes. The movie is very much about people dealing with spectacle and their relationship to it. So like uh, Lil Jupe, Steve Ewan's character, Mm. the only way he's able to interpret the trauma he went through is by turning it into spectacle. Look at this museum that I've made of the horrible things that happened to me. Maybe my favourite scene in the movie is him describing the Saturday Night Live sketch where he name drops Chris Kattan as the monkey. So So good. I have to touch on that, right? Yeah. Because he says Chris Kattan absolutely killed it when he played Gordy in the SNL skit. Mm. And I just sat down and went, fuck, yeah, I can imagine Chris Kattan oh. playing a chimp, a murderous chimp, right? And then I YouTubed it. <laughs> oh. This was news to me. So you saw Mr. Peepers? I'd never, ever Even- seen Mr. Peepers up Are you until kidding now. Me? Ever. Didn't know it existed. Two things this Chris, Kattan, Chris Kattan did Mango and Mr. Peepers. I only like- knew Chris well because of Night at the Roxbury. Yeah. Oh. And I'd never gone. Deeper than that. Not that I think Mr. I don't think Mr. Peepers is great comedy, and I don't think Chris Kattan. No offense, but he's not one of the greats. I think oh, he's, he's no, funny no, no, enough. But that's he's funny enough. His physical comedy is pretty great, but I don't think he's. I think there's a is reason that, that he is that hasn't enough to had take it. you. Well, he hasn't had a film career afterwards, so yeah, I think is, you're right that it has. He could have fully grown man clamber this. over another fully grown man like a monkey is. Enough for me. In the 90s, definitely. <laughs> what him else do you need? Funny. Him that explains the... your relationship with Joel. <laughs> Shout out to Joel. Joel Delamont. Hey, Joel. Joel Delamont is Mr. Peepers, our friend Joel. But, yeah, we uh, have a guy. And you're the rock in that scene because they have. Have you seen Mr. Peepers? The rock did one. Where really? he played, like, another Peepers. Um, Mr. Peepers. Jeepers Peepers. Master Jeepers Peepers. Peepers. <laughs> oh, so good. it's about monkeys. <laughs> the, um, ah. but the, uh, the way that he relates his way of explaining what he went through to Saturday Night Live and the way he uses a Sorry, sketch comedy, we, the way we would go like, oh, you haven't seen that? And instead of showing you, we just we explain it to each other. We do, we, we do the It bit. was so funny when it this was thing so happened. And let me tell you, and then there's that cut yeah, of him great. as he's saying, Catan just, he killed it. And then it cuts to that shot of young uh, Jupe just horrified under the table. Mm. And he just cuts back to Steve Ewan like, oh, suppress that. I don't want to think about that. It was fun. It's made me my livelihood. It's a spectacle, right? Yeah. And so that way of using uh, what happened to him as a spectacle and then the way he tries to turn the alien into a spectacle, of course it consumes the people who want to engage with it, and then the way that the TMZ guy who shows up near the end of the movie gets consumed. In his daft punk helmet. Yes. So great. The guy who, the uh, cinematographer who's that really grisly-voiced Canadian guy whose name I can't remember. Michael Wincott. Like Michael Wincott, who um, who's the prophet name? of truth from Halo 2. 
He's uh, he's too. Yeah. He's in he's in the crow as well. Yeah, he's that. he's got that really great voice. Incredible. And the voice. way he knows he's gonna die at the end, but he's like, how else do I get the perfect shot? You know. And the last thing he says to angels, we weren't meant to have the impossible. He's like, I want that, and I know what it's gonna mean. And some people sacrificing their lives to get that. Um, I will say, the movie gets a little messy intellectually and theoretically and subtextually once you try to unpack all this on a neat line. Once you go like, so spectacle, well, this is going to take a couple of minutes. Get Out is the movie that everyone loves of Jordan Peele's. I love it and it's really, really renowned for the fact that it is, hey, this is what racism looks like in 2017. It's appropriation. It's no longer we hate black people. It's let's become them and subsume them. It's a pretty simple idea played out in a really tight-knit, well-plotted film, psychologically taught, incredible performances, very close to 11 out of 11. I love that movie. Us is a movie from 2019 all about sort of the erasure of the black experience in a similar way to this, but also kind of about code switching and how black people have to act differently about around white people and also that there's like a doppelganger form of you and also there are rules about if you do something, your doppelganger does something. It gets a bit messy. It's kind of the midway one that you're like, oh, it still works, it's fun, it's a good road trip horror movie. Nope is the one where it's like, okay, so... There's man versus nature, but also like extraterrestrial nature that we don't understand. But if we do, we try to respect it and we use it in a way where we yield it for spectacle. Spectacle can consume you, but you can also wield spectacle against those who would consume you. But that's all about the racist tropes that have engaged with the past of spectacle that have happened to people because of the systems in place that you see fuck those up who are trying to be the biggest part of the spectacle. And it's like, dude, this is a dissertation. This is not a movie so much as a really outlandish kind of like big galaxy brain theme that you've tried to cram into this. And I think the fact that for me it mostly works is cool, but when I sit down and try to actually unpack it thematically and do all the connections, I go, it's a strain. It kind of breaks a little under the weight of it, if that makes sense. That's my biggest criticism of this movie. (laughs) I agree. Did he breathe through any of that? That was incredible, Thomas. Do you think it should have been like a trilogy? Like imagine if Jordan Peele was like, I've got these ideas, I want to unpack them on film. Make two separate movies. Okay, yeah. I think don't, I think he's, one of the biggest criticisms I agree with is it's formless in the way that it feels like it's a lot of ideas at once that you're like, you could have taken a couple of these and put them somewhere else. I don't know if you needed to make it one movie. I mostly, 8.5, 8.6, I really... Did I say that do or 8.3? Do you think remember. that because 8. he 6. keeps cramming all these ideas into a single film rather than stretching it out and creating a legacy of films ahead of him, yeah. he's going to run out of steam? I really hope that he reigns it in a little with the next one because this one was his biggest budget so far. It's $68 million and the return was not great. People were a little disappointed. I think it made like one seventy. It's a little tired in terms of like get out us both. Yes. Very successful and mm. also critically successful. And yeah. then this was like it's fine. It did very well. Should, made his money back. Should Frank and I have seen those other two films before we saw this? I think Get Out 100% okay. is a really fantastic movie. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get out. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, us. <laughs> get out. But I think Us is, uh, yeah, one that people find a little bit less, I don't know. Everyone's got their own favourite. He's a pretty remarkable director and I, I want to see where he goes with it. See, Us has already been done, so I didn't really love that film. In what in what way? Well, I was in a uh, I was in a TV series. If you didn't realize uh, a couple of years ago, it was called, called the Kettering, the last of us? called the Kettering Incident. Oh, and right. uh, well, the storyline was basically us. Why are you flexing? But, uh, but well, I don't know. Because Mac has got to take a piss. That's <laughs> how, much, <laughs> how much do you bench, honestly? Uh, 
You look strong. You look strong. You look strong. I'm not answering that. No, 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 for real. It, it, um, you can bench me. Let's put that out. Yeah, it's 25. I feel kilos. like the us storyline didn't hit home for me because I felt like I'd seen it. Seen okay. it before. Prior. I, I was being a dick, but also I mean it. I know what you mean. That, <laughs> that whole doppelganger. You nailed it. <laughs> it was, there, was fun. there was a pod we did a while ago and sure. I, didn't in, I didn't enjoy the film, but I knew that Tom would and would be able to explain it better to me. I can't remember which Everything film everywhere, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was. Or maybe, maybe in no, Rouge. No. One of no, no, it was everything everywhere. Um, but all at once. Your, your own dissertation just then <laughs> is what I've been waiting for um, this session. It's, I would a, recommend a second watch. Honestly. I would, I would it, too. It does yeah, sound to like that is needed. Maybe watch Get Out, as Tom said, and then go back to it at some point. Mm. Not immediately, but yeah, you, might, might, be a good point. you might see a lot more in it. I, I definitely come back to what I think I said about that episode as well, Everything Everywhere, which is all this theory adds up to nothing if once you watch it a second time you're like, yeah, but I just don't like the movie. Like the experience isn't sure. there for me even with all this stuff beneath it. And that's why this isn't a, a perfect or a great movie to me because I'm like some of it just doesn't connect. I what like I said uh, to, to Luce when we were watching it, like, and you know I'm not a horror film fan, mm. so I was like going into it being like, and we'll keep the lights on and we'll just try our best to get through it. Um, the, it was it was midday on a Saturday. That's what Brian she said. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but we got and I like I I enjoyed it. I actually had a lot more fun than I thought I would. For it's not it's not really a horror film, is it? It's like no, it's like kind of spooky and a little bit like tense, but. It's more of a sci-fi uh, action. I just was going to agree with you on one of the reasons I didn't love it more is I love how scary Get Out is. I love how scary Us is. This movie has one for me very – oh, two very scary scenes and one is, of them is a fake out. Is one where the kids are in the <laughs> – That's great. terrifying and it's the only from memory <laughs> – Handheld shot in the movie where it suddenly cuts back to the barn and he's the camera shaking and then just one of the alien figures. The physicality, like, the physicality oh. of the aliens, which spoiler is kids in masks, <laughs> is so obscure. You go, oh, it's got to be out. It's, it's, it's awesome. So, it's so scary. And, oh. and then the next scene where they're coming around the corner and it takes them at least a minute to just lean around. They're so, yeah. so they're like. My exact note for this one was like. This is exactly how I would react. Yep. I would I would see that alien nope. head and go, nope, 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 nope and nope, just nope. back the fuck out of that room and then Frank would pee pee his pants. I that was my exact note. <laughs> okay, so who do we think is MVP? For me, Brandon Pereira. Pereira. We haven't talked about him as Angel. Angel. Really wonderful. He saves the film for me. Because, like I said, the first 30 minutes is boring and then he comes in. I'm like, yes, here he is. He comes in and it becomes an episode of Stranger Things where they got to cobble stuff together from Radio Shack to <laughs> save the world. No, he's got all the gear he needs as a genius, a tech genius, and he says on the cameras, I love him. He's got good energy. He's sassy in a way that, that really works. It's, it, it doesn't make him into a bit of a nag. <laughs> this is why Frank resonates with him. I yeah, can tell. I thought just, I'm the same guy. <laughs> I like HDMI cables and I like being sassy. That's so funny. He was very entertaining. He's great. When he just shows the uh, Instagram to OJ, he's like, this is her. Probably see her around. She's a wannabe <laughs> model actress. Fucking left me. You believe that? <laughs> like he's just so bad at this ex-girlfriend of his, and OJ's like, I don't care, man. Please. It's a nice little like tie. It's a great little character moment. I think he's fun. 
Uh, Michael, Michael Wincott, Wincott, yeah, Michael Wincott. I think he's my MVP as the guy who has the voice. I just, like this. He's so enga- he's really captivating. We should do our next pod, and we, we can all do that voice the entire time. I could listen to a, him talk on a pod. Can you imagine? Yeah, mm. I'm shocked that the way Jordan Peele decided to use him was to recite the lyrics to the song uh, "One Eyed, One Horned, Flying Purple People." Yeah, you know, which is a Isn't song that I a reference l- to something. I learnt that song as a child <laughs> and sang it in choir, so it's. It's a reference weird. to your choir school. That's what it is. Yes, that was it. No, but doesn't it tie in anyway? Well, the I will say the whole song is about like a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater and the joke is it's like, Mr. Purple People Eater, what's your line? Well, eating purple people then, it sure is fine. So he's not a purple, coloured purple people eater. He eats purple people. So it's like, oh, I see you don't do the thing we thought. Are you saying we're going to cut this? We're not cutting this. We're doubling it. And then... <laughs> The ultimate thing is what's your – it's like, but that's not the reason I came to this land. I want to get a job in a rock and roll band. He was a bless my soul, pratton's all fine, purple people. So he's like he wants to be a rock star and so spectacle. All right, so moving, moving on from that. But also, Thomas, you are <laughs> a flying purple shirt muncher <laughs> yeah, or something. Like shirt muncher. Shirt muncher. Great. Grimace, <laughs> as previously mentioned. The reason why I didn't give this a nine yep. as opposed to an eight is, and I've probably, maybe I'm focusing on the wrong part of the film, but the interior of the creature bugged me. Yeah. What, like, where are if we? Yeah. If it's not going to be, firstly, it just looked like a long shot of a corridor with billowing curtains every time they showed this central point. And I'm guessing the eye, the internal eye. That I would it think so. That little, like, rectangular yeah, thing that we it, eventually that, see. There. That wasn't clear. And there's only one time where you see everyone get sucked up. All the people from Jupe's farm get sucked up into the. But that was creature. like that was like an episode of Magic School Bus. A little Here bit. Here we are through the little intestine. I wanted that to be a bit more fucked up than it was. <laughs> I wanted because you you have scenes where you see the house get drenched in the blood and the and the creature like evacuates itself. Hence the the nickels and the. Thanks keys for saying and- evacuates. <laughs> that was very nicely done. Thank you. Um, but I wanted to see for for it to be more terrifying and be more of a threat, I wanted to see the inner mechanics of that creature at work. More of like I wanted like to see those people. Gears and people getting crunched and grinded. Yeah, like it doesn't probably have to go as far as watching people get pulped up. Oh, but okay. like, well. I've never directed it's a, a different movie, rating. So. It's a different rated film at that point. Do you know what I mean? Um, but if you're going to like pour really um, watery blood, by the way, <laughs> do you remember that? Well, yeah. humans are mostly water. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was my fuck. That was my gripe with it. I've already told you my MVP. I just wanted to get that off my chest. It should have been a nine for me. Okay. Yeah. Good What's point. All right, Crystal Tom, MVP. Um, tying into that sequence with where they all get sucked up and consumed. Mm. I think that's one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen. I know what you mean that you wanted more, but just the camera shot following them up into the intestine. That was the best bit. Them but it could screaming have been and then you get just the most like amorphous shot of whatever that part of the creature's body is. Like, uh, there was a, it was a skinless horse, wasn't it? Is that what that is? I think it was like a decomposing horse. I took that as like part of its teeth or part of its mouth or something oh. and because it's so dark and then you just see that girl screaming as she's like getting sucked up into it. Anyway, the scene immediately preceding that is old Jupe, oh, young Jupe, little Jupe, whatever, Steve <laughs> Ewan's character. Uh, we keep calling him Steve but apparently it's Jupe Steven. Jupe Jr. Steven. Jupe Jr. <laughs> um, Steven Ewan. Ewan. Fuck. 
is, yeah. I think, weirdly the enigma that ties the movie together for me. I think it's a weaker movie without him, even though his section feels so divorced from the rest of it. I think he's so tragic. I think the last thing he's ever thinking when he's just looking up as everyone's getting sucked up is, I fucked this up. Like, he looks so... Just like he's questioning everything he's thought oh, he's ever known. Sorry, Jube Senior, you're talking about at this point. Yeah, well, he's but he's. I thought you were talking about the actual flashback kid. The, the, the little, the little kid, I think, kind of kills it as well, and that whole yeah, sequence. Good. But I, I think just Steve. I love Ewan. the fake when they're filming this sitcom, and they're like, "Oh, sorry, I forgot my line. Uh, you brought a gift. Uh, no, hold on, sorry. What's yeah, my, what was my line? That scene's really great. Uh, but yeah, Stephen. Really well. I think yeah. Stephen Ewan, Yes, he plays that really devastatingly, and it's uh, it hits probably more emotionally than the brother-sister duo, which I enjoy both the characters and the performances. I think that's a little undercooked, their whole dynamic. Sorry, Chris, what's yours? I don't know if I have one. Like the, Everyone the, sucked. The, no, the, the voices in this film are wonderful. The president from Rick and Morty um, and the... <laughs> Keith David. <Yeah. laughs> like, what? Yeah. Uh, and the Canadian voiceover... Yeah, Man, Michael Wincott. Michael Wincott. When, yeah. when he opened his mouth, I was just like, wow, wow. how do you get that voice? It's as nice as we all know, I hate my own voice. So. Cigarettes. All right. I'm, I there know what go. I'm doing just after this. Just start smoking. But, yeah, MVP, it's, it's always nice to see horses on film. There's something about a western. There's there's a romance mm. to it. And to get some lovely shots on the farm with the horses, I'm just like, yeah, that's lovely. That, uh, what is it, Californian desert? Where are they? And the Californian Gulch, aren't they? Yeah. Correct, Frank which would be the... What was it? Yeah. What was, was it um, Scenery's incredible. The, the Spiegelman's, the... the, the oh, you were talking Spielberg about Spielberg's film. movie? When the camera oh, the is low, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's high, it's interesting. <laughs> when it's in the middle, it's fucking boring. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so true. That's I mean, true, yeah. yeah, the shots there, big sky country and, yeah, just beautiful. Some beautiful shots. Um, they, they lend their horses to Scorpion King, I just want to say. That's yeah, a little, you get the, the, oh, the crew right. jumper. Detail. He's got the crew jumper, and the that's TMZ right. guy goes, "Come on, Scorpion King, don't you want to do something?" And I'm like, "He helped with Scorpion King. He, he did something. He, oh, right. <laughs> like, don't you neg him for that? That's a legacy. One of the greatest films of all time. So, no one's throwing in the uh, proverbial. No, I'm sitting on eight, comfortably. It may be something that I revisit after a second watch. I'll, I'll give an update to the pod if and when. Yeah, we'll add, we'll add a little tail, a little bookend yeah. to something at some point. Yeah, cool. Nice. I don't know. I'm at 8.5. I can't remember what I was at. So, like, maybe you were at 8. a little. 6, was I? Maybe I'm a little down. I don't know. Ooh. Oh, what's wrong? A little upset? Sorry, you I'm okay. okay. No, I'm fine, boys. Is oh, the purple shirt? Is this the group hug that I've been asking for? Oh, uh, the purple shirt's bumming me out too. Arms around me. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> for the listener, nope. that is not true. <laughs> no, <Nope>. Tom is <laughs> lying. Through the pal. Hey, pals! Production is the production team that sponsors Throwing the Pal, which is this podcast. Frank is incapacitated. <laughs> I'm Tom. I'm Marcus. I'm Chris. And I'm Frank. Frank's on a drum kit. Oh, my God. I'm yeah. so happy. I love you guys. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. We love you too, buddy. Oh. <laughs> Through the